Greetings, fellow Earthlings. Welcome to another episode of And Another Thing with Dave. Seeking the truth, exposing the lies. Remember, together, we are unstoppable. Keep on digging. Hello, hello. Hey, Dave. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Good, good, good. Let's just uh, chat for a sec, do a little sound checkity check, and I'll make sure our, our levels are equal. Sure, sounds good. All right, all right, all right. Just talk at a normal level for me here. I got a little soundboard thing going. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I pulled up a few different uh, articles. So some from Harvard Business Review, uh, Ross University School of Medicine, um, and uh, another article on how it saves 68,000 lives. So Excellent, excellent. Okay. That should be good. I think we're looking good. I think we're looking good. Fantastic. And I was just pulling up uh, an article from uh, CNBC, uh, the leading cause of bankruptcy in the U.S. Yeah, I saw that. Fantastic. Well, good to see you, my friend. Good to see you and speak with you. Been looking forward to this. Yeah, I've been really interested in this topic. I've been busy, but I've wanted to, I've been trying to make sure I've had a little bit of information on how it's done in the U.S. compared to here as well. So, so yeah, um, how do you want to get started? Well, let's see. Um, I'm going to go ahead and share the talk, see if we can get a few people in. And sure. uh, do you have anything that you want? Maybe we could start with just a little introduction of ourselves. Sure. Uh, my actual name is Jesse, um, and I am Canadian. I'm actually half American. Um, and uh, are we just introducing like uh, like I just uh, I run an import export business up here in Canada. So I uh, I uh, buy and sell down south. Very cool. Very cool. And um, is there any links that you want to give out for where people can find you on social media? Um, my Instagram is private, but I could add it if somebody wanted it. Yeah, if they asked for it, I don't have a problem with them having it. Okay. Well, that good yeah. enough. Good enough. And I am Dave, Dave Smith. And another thing with Dave, I reside in the U.S., California to be specific. Um, and I've been uh, kind of fed up with the healthcare system here for a while. And what kind of spurred on me wanting to talk about this with you especially was I, I constantly hear people say, you know, people here in the U.S. say, oh, yeah, well, but their healthcare system sucks up in Canada, like they've been there, right? And then they'll <laughs> cite some friend of a friend of a friend who had to wait for heart surgery or something, right? But it's always like yeah. five people removed. Like, I, oh, I heard of this guy, right? It's not never personal experience. Um, that's right. Yeah, so that's what kind of made me want to get into it, you know? Um, yeah, so let's see. I got an article here. Why don't I, why don't I start with a couple uh, little bits sure. from this article here? We've got, what is this? Um CNBC Online from published February 11th, 2019 by Lori Conish. 
Uh, and this is the the headline is this is the real reason most Americans file for bankruptcy. Says uh, filing for bankruptcy is often considered a worst case scenario. And for many Americans who do pursue that last ditch effort to rescue their finances, it is because of one reason, health care costs. A new study from academic researchers found that 66.5% of all bankruptcies were tied to medical issues, either because of high cost for care or time out of work. An estimated 530,000 families turn to bankruptcy each year because of medical issues and bills, the research found. Other reasons include unaffordable mortgages or foreclosure at 45%, followed by spending or living beyond one's means, 44%. Well, can't help you there. Providing help uh, to friends or relatives, 28.4%. Student loans, another big issue here in the U.S., 25.4%. Or divorce or separation, 24.4%. While the findings are consistent with past studies on bankruptcy, the data also highlights a key new factor, whether the Affordable Care Act has reduced the burden of medical debt for people. Despite gains in coverage and access to care from the ACA, our findings suggest that it did not change the proportion of bankruptcies with medical causes. An article on the study published in the American Journal of Public Health states the number of debtors who cited medical issues as a contributing reason for their bankruptcy actually increased slightly after the law's implementation. 67.5% in the three years following the law's adoption versus 65.5%. Wow. So there it is. The major cause of bankruptcy in the U.S. is our for-profit health care system. Go figure, huh? (laughs) Yeah. And and while I was reading through this, um, uh, you put it up earlier, I wanted to see um, per capita what the total health expenditure was. So I looked through the last, uh, from 2017 to 2019, um, what Canada spends versus what Americans spend. So from 2017, Canada spent 5,100 uh, per capita, 5,200 in 2018, and 5,400 in 2019. And the United States spends in 2017 10,200, in 2018, it was 10600 By 2019, it was $11,072 per capita. Wow. And I thought that was interesting yeah, my, related to that. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Absolutely. I was just going to say my deductible uh, is 6900 So basically anything under that, I'm paying. But if I break a leg, then I guess I'm covered for a little bit of it. <laughs> right. Yeah. And this is this is kind of that uh, I, this is that uh, there there was a few things that I wanted to look into based on what you had talked about last time and even what you mentioned today is that uh, you know Americans they I think they get fed this idea that um, there's you know slower health care care they don't get as good a coverage um, and it's going to cost Americans more you know there's a few different myths that I think they hear about this stuff and. You're right. They're just hearing it. It's hearsay. They're not, uh, I don't think they're fully educated on what they're paying for and what they're not getting. So yeah, I wanted to kind of highlight some of that. Oh, I would love if you've got some numbers on that. I think, uh, whoops, sorry about that. I was sharing a clip. Um, oh no, man. Okay. 
So, so, so based <laughs> off of the Ross University article I was reading, some of the differences that, um, you know, one of, one of the things that uh, Canada does have less of is that it's got less specialists, whereas America has a lot of specialists. But we've got many more uh, general practitioners on average. And I'm going to find out where that was in this article. But um, so that's why it's actually it's it is a bit of a myth where they say, well, the lineups are much longer. No, actually, to get into a general practitioner, we have significantly more than the United States. I'm going to find the exact number here, but um, kind of one myth debunked. And I wanted to see what your thoughts were on that. Do you have any issues? Do you find when you're going in to just uh, talk to a doctor about a general issue? Well, yeah, that's a great point that you bring up because, um, you know, typically I have to wait three weeks to get an appointment, three weeks to a month to get an appointment. Just for a general? Just to see my general practitioner to then be referred wow. to somebody else. Wow. You know, if you want to do it, if you want to do a telephone appointment, then you can get in and usually maybe two weeks. So that's, that's yeah. it's all myth. It's all myth, right? Yeah. So here we go. There's some differences apart from, this is again from Ross University School of Medicine. Differences apart from insurance between U.S. and Canadian healthcare. There are more general practitioners per capita in Canada than the U.S. About half all doctors in Canada are general practitioners, general practitioners as, as stated by NCBI. Only about a third of doctors in the U.S. are general practitioners, according to the Agency for Healthcare Research and Quality. Um, usually Canadians need a referral from their GP to see a specialist for non-urgent care. Canadian specialist doctors even suffer financial penalties if they see a patient, patient without a GP referral. So, yeah, to anybody in the crowd there, to give an example, I can literally go today and just walk into a general practitioner. You don't need to have an appointment. Now, if you want your own GP, you know, you can, uh, you know, show them your upper, like my provincial health care card and you can get signed on with them. But if I need to just go see somebody that day, it's I can walk in right away. Wow. See, if we want to yeah. just walk in, we have we have to go to the emergency room. And then that may or may not be covered by your by your insurance policy. I think you get a right. certain amount of emergency visits per year covered. Right, right, right. Yeah. Again, we can go into emergency at any point in time as well, too. Uh, are there wait times? Yes. But uh, I think it's they, they ask you too when you get up to the triage. Uh, I took my son, his arm. I thought it was broken, but actually it was just his little uh with a little little bone in his arm at the time when they're younger, it can pop out, and they just popped it back in for him. Anyways, um, when we asked, you know, they ask, what, what are you currently dealing with your symptoms? They ask how you're feeling, you know, kind of, they, they gauge your severity, and they try and get to you right away. Um, I haven't, you know, I've waited a couple hours, but never not in an emergency. It was usually fairly quick um, when I needed something to get to. And once again, I go in wow. with my health care card, and there's no bill. There's nothing like that too. So, wow. Um, yeah. So that, that's so much different than my experience. Um, you know, here, even with an appointment, you go in and there's going to be a half hour, 45 minute wait. Um, right. So w what I'm hearing right off the bat is that I've just been lied to my entire life. And imagine that because it is a for profit system. So 
that's the that's the thing that kills me about everything being up for grabs in capitalism is that the only the, the number one bottom line in capitalism is profit and profit for the shareholders. Everything else yeah. is secondary. Um, so it just Absolutely. it just strikes me as evil to have things like healthcare and education be for profit. It's one thing to yeah. have you know the the option of going to a private force for profit college. But all of our colleges are for profit, even the state run colleges here. It's it's ludicrous. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's always flabbergasting whenever I kind of read or hear about it down there. Um, I, I I've actually, too, I, I think one of the biggest um, differences, especially with the systems are the co-pays and the deductibles. Like we don't really have any of that. There's there's these middlemen that are getting paid within your system that are completely unnecessary, right? And the interesting thing that uh, I was reading this article too is it says here there's more shared in the U.S. healthcare system versus the Canada healthcare system than there are differences. Both countries are ranked relatively high in international surveys of healthcare quality, according to WHO. Both countries are relatively wealthy compared to much of the world with long life expectancy. The Canadian life life expectancy is like slightly higher. In Canada, the national government funds health insurance. Most of the services patients would receive from a hospital or general practitioner office are covered by government insurance. According to the National Center for Biotechnology Information, it is actually illegal in Canada for private insurance to cover services covered by the government insurance, right? Thus, Canadian healthcare is a single-payer system, according to the Harvard Health Publishing. The, the government provides insurance for Canada healthcare, but it generally doesn't own hospitals or employ doctors directly. So that's another thing too is people need to realize is that the hospitals and you know for any Americans that are worried you know that it's going to become a total socialized program they're run independently they're run as businesses but they're funded by the government so it works still to the advantage because you know I I think that a lot of people are always concerned that you know when you get things run by the government they're less effective they're more inefficient but you know. And again, I'm not saying Canada's healthcare system is perfect, but when you're able to keep them run as private businesses where they're able to try and work out those, uh, you know, I, I like you know, from a capitalist element, they're always going to do better at problem solving, right? Without being bogged down by a bunch of, uh, you know, red tape per se. I think that's what a lot of people worry about, worried by. But if it's funded by and regulated by the government, you're going to see a big advantage there because that each person is not going to miss out on the potential for healthcare like they do in the States. Right. Yeah. And I want to address this myth of if something's run by the government by, by default, it's going to be inefficient, right? Right. There may be more bureaucracy in some regards, but you know, one of our highest functioning military troops is Navy SEAL team six. That's a government run operation. They are government employees. So the government can be ruthlessly efficient when it sets its mind to it and when there's oversight. Right. Um, Right. It's not a blanket statement that the government is just inefficient. And, And I like what you said about. You know, because that's another big myth down here is that, oh, the government's going to tell me what doctor I have to go to. No, nothing will fundamentally change. The hospitals will be independently run. What changes is the removing of the middlemen, a couple few middlemen, right? Uh, For-profit pharmaceutical companies will be pretty much ass out. 
um, you know, lobbyists and and healthcare insurance providers. Um, so just by removing the middleman, you're you're saving a ton of money. Um, so the myth of of you're going to have to go see a certain doctor is is complete BS. And for those people with money, you know, they they can go see whoever they want. If they want to go see a private doctor, fine, pay for it and go see them. But for the most okay. of us, for the majority of us, you know, I don't care who I see. I just want to see somebody. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I was going to say here, there was one part of that article to kind of, um, when you're talking about uh, for profit here, this is another thing that makes sense um, that we do. Cost per person are lower in Canada in part because the government has a better negotiating position. For example, the Canadian government has more negotiating leverage than any private insurer could in negotiating price agreements with drug companies um, to keep drug prices low. Because we're a much larger entity, because it's run and funded by the government, the government can come to the table more with these drug companies. And that's why you can actually see there's a significant difference of the price of insulin. I think Bernie Sanders did a documentary on it, actually, where he was traveling with Americans up through Niagara from, you know, I think across Michigan or whatever it was. And he showed that these Americans were going up to Canada to, to, to stock up on cheap insulin and bring it down in order to, A, just simply survive. And I think our insulin was like $8, and some Americans were spending over $100 for this. So um, another thing that would give people as, you know, this negotiating power as a single-payer government or system would allow them to have cheaper drug prices too. Right, right. And, um, ex- yeah, exactly. I, I believe I believe it was uh, one of our politicians, Bernie Sanders, who was – trying to put forth a bill um, to bring that forth even without single payer to, to limit the, the profit of the uh, pharmaceutical companies by having the government be able to purchase um, and, and limit limit the profit margins. I forget the yeah, specifics right. on that. I believe you're right. Um, yeah. While you, were, while you were mentioning that, I pulled up something. And this is from the University of California, San Francisco. Um, single payer. Let's see. This was written by Laura Kurtzman, January 15th, 2020. Single payer, single payer systems likely to save money in U.S. analysis finds lower administrative and drug costs would be my main drivers of cost savings. A single payer healthcare system would save money over time likely even during the first year of operation, according to nearly two dozen analyses of national and statewide single-payer proposals made over the last 30 years. The study published Wednesday, January 15, 2020, in PLOS Magazine, or I'm sorry, PLOS Medicine, comes as California Governor Gavin Newsom has named a state commissioner to find ways to achieve universal coverage, possibly through a single-payer system, and as the Democratic presidential candidates are debating Medicare for All proposals on the national stage. Well, they're not debating it anymore, are they? (laughs) No, they're not. Not until the next election will you hear them talk about it. Suddenly it'll become important again, yeah. Right. Yeah, well, well, I actually had something on that too. So, uh, ZME Science 
Um, so this is by Alexandra Miku, I think, February 17, 2020. A shift towards universal single-payer health care for all Americans would help save an estimated 68,000 lives and $450 billion based on the value of the dollar in 2017. The study explains, today, 41 million Americans have inadequate access to care, and over 37 million do not even have any health insurance at all, the authors note. The figures take into account both the increased costs, costs associated with this, such a scheme, as well as the reduction in costs associated with better quality health care for every citizen. We find that the, the, that the expected savings from a universal single-payer system would more than compensate for the increased expenditure associated with universal health care coverage, the paper explains. Moreover, universal health care would save lives while simultaneously improving the quality and productivity of those lives as detailed here. Beyond economic considerations, the paramount objective of a healthcare system is to save lives. Uh, and it'll go on and on about that. But yeah, um, I shall just finish this one little paragraph actually here. The author explained the single player healthcare systems are and have long been perceived in the U.S. as being economically impractical. However, they also contend that the data on the ground showcases the limitations of the current system as well. Despite having the highest healthcare expenditure in the world, 18% of GDP, they write, the USA ranks below 30 countries for many public health indicators, including preventable deaths, infant survival, maternal mortality, and overall life expectancy. The view that Americans give very little medical bang for their bucks is further echoed by other organizations and researchers. Back in 2010, a report from the Commonwealth Fund explained that the U.S. ranked last among seven countries, Australia, Canada, Germany, the Netherlands, New Zealand, the U.K., and the U.S., in regards to the quality, level of access, and efficiency of its medical system. American citizens rank lowest for longevity and overall health condition among those countries as well. The situation didn't much improve by 2017 when a report from the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development noted that life expectancy in the United States was slightly lower by two years than the OECD average, despite the high levels of healthy spending. Health spending. Despite the fact that it was one year over the average back in 1970 and that the quality of health care was close to OECD average, despite spending more than double the average, 9,892 compared to 4,003 adjusted for local costs. And they're just a few out of many. So um, I think it goes on and on about how much expenditure is wasted. The high cost of drug and medical devices relative to other countries further gobble up funds. Around 25% of all healthcare spending in the U.S. is wasted, as does low social spending. For the study, the team looked at projected spending under the Medicare for All Act and developed a single-payer healthcare interactive financing tool to test scenarios in which key variables underpinning healthcare costs change in the future, yada, yada, yada. But um, the authors further note that such a system would lead to the elimination of unpaid bills, which currently amount to $35 billion annually for hospitals alone, and reduce the overwhelming paperwork required of physicians, which is a leading cause for burnout. Yeah, I think that's right. Physicians filing an immense amount of paperwork, paperwork to insurance companies, which is dry up, and $35 billion annually of unpaid bills that people probably they can't even afford them is an issue down there. So, again, you cut out these middlemen, you cut out these insurance companies, you cut out all this waste that pay, that Americans are paying for regardless. And you could actually right. thrive. And you'd actually have the doctor doing more health care and less paperwork is what I just exactly. heard. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, yeah, so he did probably be, they'd probably burden. be able to, yeah, they'd probably be able to squeeze a couple more patients in a day, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, imagine that. (laughs) I think it's alone when you see the health expenditure by capita, um, which you can find on, you know, not everybody's going to be, you know, that uh, interested in it from Wikipedia from time to time. But I think generally, I think I found it another one too, but I mean, we spend almost half, we do spend half of what Americans spend. And like I said, you, you know what, too, you, a lot of Americans, you know, they skew that, not like, you know, you hear the Fox News and the right wing talking points saying that America, Canadians are coming down. They are, they're coming down for elective surgeries, right? They're coming down for plastic surgeries. They're coming down for different things that maybe would be faster than waiting up here. But like we were just pointing out here, just stepping into a doctor, getting in line for treatment for something minor or major doesn't take that long. And here's another example. Uh, my lady's sister is having an issue with a blood clot. I even thought this happened a lot faster than it even normally does here. She's going to be seeing a specialist. She called them on Friday. She'll see them on Tuesday. So she already talked to her GP wow. on Friday. And she's, and honestly, usually sometimes seeing a specialist could take a couple of weeks. She'll be there Tuesday. I was like, wow, that's even faster here. So, uh, that's amazing. Yeah. Right. So she's going to be able to go in, figure out what's going on with the blood clot and hopefully they'll be able to get on some medication or whatever. You know, they'll look, they'll take a look at it right away. So. I pulled up a thing here um, from uh, CNBC about the average tax paid, you know, because that's a big one, too. People are like, oh, they pay a ton in taxes. Well, yeah. not really. The average Canadian pays 14693 while the average U.S. citizen pays 11365 So less than $3,000, well, less than $4,000 more. Yeah. And, um. And this article goes on to say what Canadians get for their taxes. This is uh, from CNBC online. Canadians may not pay that much more than Americans. And on occasion, as a nation, they have even paid less. But they get but they do get a lot more from their government in terms of social services. That's (laughs) part of what makes Canada one of the top 10 happiest countries on Earth, ranking seven spots higher than America. Um, as Vice Money puts it, American marginal tax brackets aren't too different from Canadians, yet Canadians get universal health care and Americans don't. Currently, Americans pay $3.4 trillion a year for medical care, and unfortunately, what? And unfortunately don't. What? That doesn't make any sense. The U.S. life expectancy. U.S. life expectancy of 78.8 years ranks 27th. It has the fourth highest infant mortality rate in the OECD, which is, I don't know, developed world, I guess, developed countries. Uh, The sixth highest maternal uh, mortality rate and the ninth highest likelihood of dying at a younger age from a host of ailments, including cardiovascular disease and cancer. Per capita, uh, healthcare spending in the U.S. is more than 9,000. By contrast, per capita healthcare spending in Canada is half that, or 4,500, yet life expectancy in Canada is 81.7 years, and the country ranks 13th significantly, significantly ahead of the U.S. Critics of Canadians' single-payer healthcare system call it a cautionary tale, one that's failing 
It's universal and affordable, sure, but the quality isn't high. And the waits for procedures can be unnecessarily long. Wow. Yeah, and I wanted to bring, while you were explaining that, too, I wanted to bring up, um, in case Americans, too, uh, these are the federal tax brackets in which you, and the percentages in which you get charged in Canada versus the U.S. So um, let's do Canada. 15% on the first $49,020 of taxable, taxable income, right? And over to the U.S., it's much lower. So you get charged 10%. Up to about, uh, looks like your, uh, head of household, 14,000. 12% from 14,000 to 54,000. And if we jump back to Canada, 20.5% of the portion of the taxable income over 49,020 up to 98,000. So there's almost a $40,000 spread there that you get taxed about 20% of your income. At 22% in America, is 54, it's from 54,000 to 86,000. So you're only paying, you're actually paying 2% more within that tax bracket than we are. Now from 86,000 to 164,000, you're paying 24% of your income. Uh, from 98,000 to 151, we pay 26% of our, uh, income. And then when you get up into the richer areas, so 29% in Canada from 151,000 to 216, this is where it gets interesting. When you get to 164 to 209 in America, you're paying 32%. So you're paying more. And then in Canada, over 216,000, we're paying 33% of our income. From 209,000 to 523,000, you're paying 35% and 37% over 523,000. So we, in different court, different tax brackets actually end up spending less than Americans do on our federal taxes. Uh, and we get healthcare just to put yeah. that in perspective, right? So right. another thing that I think Americans don't, they're like, Oh, I don't want to pay all my taxes. We actually pay less taxes in certain brackets than Americans do. And we get healthcare and we spend less on our right. healthcare per capita, as I pointed out. So yeah, the, it's, it is a myth. It's this, it's this unusual myth that Americans are actually paying more than us, not only in healthcare. But in taxes now, and especially in certain brackets, you end up spending more than we do. And we're, you know, like you said, we get more for our social services. I think you got a couple messages there, so I don't know if you want to run them. Yeah, let's hit these messages real quick. Greg Dudit. Welcome, everybody, to Siri Go Radio. Canada has uh, better health care, actually better comedy, and cheaper beer prices and gas prices. But USA is cool because, you know, I like the USA. Have a great hell of a fucking night. Host every yo pretty yo. Radio. You guys have actually keep I your love, gas in but <laughs> I love that that he said. Well, you know, because I like America. <laughs> hey, I like America too. Nothing really definitive though. There wasn't like a thing he could point to. He just, yeah, he just kind of <laughs> likes it. We got a couple messages from uh, DIM here. 
hey guys, joined your podcast and was listening to what you're talking about and thought I'd just throw my own two cents in for what it's worth. Um, I think that um, certain individuals in the United States who hold positions of power always scapegoat higher taxes as justification for not having universal health care in the United States. I mean, taxes always seem to be used as the uh, boogeyman to scare Americans out of thinking about universal uh, health care, which is definitely a possibility in the United States. Um, I just think, obviously, the United States runs off the capitalist model, and unfortunately that has seeped into health care, uh, whereas the Canadians uh, use a more socialized approach. But I think that's pretty self-evident. I'm betting he's walking on a treadmill. What do you think? That's what I was thinking, too. I'm like, oh, good, he's keeping active. Um, but yeah, he, <laughs> he's, he's on the Peloton. Exactly, yeah, it's exactly what he was saying, too, is that uh, we are socialized, but I want to point out to anybody that's joined, too, is that, uh, as I read, um, Canada's doctors and hospitals are privately run and privately, uh, but, they're, uh, but they're, they're funded by the government, too, right? So, um, I think that really helps with, uh, you know, fighting that argument, especially if you're down in America, fighting the argument that they're inefficient. Uh, I mean, again, too, I walk into a hospital, I get pretty much taken care of right away. I walk into emergency, I haven't waited too long. I can step into any GP anywhere, show my healthcare card, and boom. I, and then I walk out, I'm like, okay, have a great day. No bill, I don't get sent anything. It's taken care of, right? I'm not, it doesn't sit on my mind, which I think is one of the things that uh, Dave was saying about you know, what was it, 65%? Was it 67% of people that they go bankrupt in this article? Six, I think it was 66.7, so basically 67%, yeah. Unbelievable. Like, again, that is what I think, this, this, is, this is what I think Americans have been fooled. They've been totally fooled. You spend more on healthcare per capita. We don't necessarily have higher taxes here federally in Canada. And now it costs, now there's a difference between federal taxes, uh, income taxes and cost of living. Our cost of living is higher. I understand that for anybody who's going to call me out on that one. But our federal income tax is not much different. And like I pointed out, in certain cases, it's actually lower depending on what bracket you're in. And actually the richer in, it's interesting. Actually, I did not know this before I looked this up. You end up spending $523,000 or more. Uh, you spend up 37%. You get taxed that much as, uh, as you get richer. It's only 33% yeah. over 200,000 in America, in Canada. And then it's above that and beyond. So, um, even your rich are being taxed more than here, right? So, uh, it's a total myth. As we've mentioned per capita, Canada spends since 2019 $5,418 per capita, America $11,072. So, They've got, they've, they've, they've fooled everybody. You're paying more in taxes in certain areas and you're paying more per capita for healthcare for these insurance companies to bleed you dry. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, it, uh, just, it just gets me. And at least, and you, the, you, in reading your, your figures there, you have a graduating income tax. So when people become wealthy wealthy they're taxed more and we used to have that here in the u.s 
We don't anymore, which is why our infrastructure is crumbling. Well, it says that uh, if you're above 523,000, you get, you get taxed 37%, which is higher than Canada. So it looks like you're wealthy. Oh. You, get, you, you do get taxed. I'm sorry. More. I thought, no, no, that's I okay. I thought that was reversed. I thought that was Canada. I apologize. No, 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 that's okay. Yeah, that's, that's actually, we, we get taxed less than you do. I'm um, looking at the federal tax wow. bracket for 2021. Yeah, 33% of taxable income over $216,511 in Canada. And for, from the tax brackets of, so I'll go, you, you, it actually goes, uh, okay, so from $164,901 to $209,400 in America, it goes up 32%. And from $209,401 to $523,600, it goes up to 35%. And then $523,600 or more is 37% in America. So they even tax your rich, which, again, that actually surprised me because I thought that we would tax our rich. It looks like we take more from the middle class and a little bit of lower class than they do in America. But, again, healthcare. So, and a few other social safety nets, like we've mentioned as well, too. Um, right. Yeah. And, and again, to anybody in the crowd that is American, I'm not here to, um, this whole discussion, and I believe Dave will say to it, is not to uh, shit on the American system. It's to point out, I believe, the flaws and the lies that Americans are being told that they can't afford. You can absolutely afford it. In fact, you're spending more than we are. And you're not getting as good of health care as we do. So that's, right. I think, the one thing we wanted to talk about tonight and uh, discuss. And and the big one, the bankruptcy, you know, it's just unbelievable yeah. to me. Yeah. You know, I mean, oh, we are just we are getting squeezed. Not to mention, uh, you know, I could go we could do a whole nother topic uh, conversation on on education and, and student loans and all that. but. Man, yeah. okay, let's play this uh, next message from D.I.M. on the treadmill. Well, yeah, I mean, um, talking about the healthcare systems in Canada and the United States, I think it's also important to point out the pharmaceutical industry. Um, medication here in Canada, vastly cheaper than the United States ah, because uh, the government here in Canada allows for the sale of uh, generic. Uh, medication, whereas this is not the case in the United States, and this is why you're going to spend $600 on an EpiPen. <laughs> I'm just exaggerating, but I think you guys get the idea. Um, and that's the reason why a lot of Americans that I know personally, they come up to Canada to get their prescriptions filled, because it's just cheaper. Oh, I've heard that as well. Right? Um, <laughs> Yeah, this is something uh, that, uh, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm not trying some, to make some differences. Yeah, I heard something else. Uh, I was, I was watching a program, I forget, I can't cite the program, but it was talking about, about exactly what he mentioned. The fact that we don't, we're not allowed generic drugs until after the pharmaceutical companies have had their patent for 12 years. So they're guaranteed a patent. For 12 years, which allows Price, them yeah. to just, you know, reap in the profits. Yeah. Then there can be a generic, uh, then it will be opened up to the rest of the market so that somebody can create a generic version. Um, and a lot of the time, these 
these companies use taxpayer money to do the R&D, to do the research and development right. of the drugs yeah. that they then patent and reap all these profits from. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, I think Moderna, did, uh, uh, I think yeah, Moderna did that with the vaccine even. Oh, they did it with the vaccine Sorry, too? No, no, go ahead. Yeah, I think. I, th- I believe Moderna, I believe the f- the funding for the research and development of the Moderna vaccine for COVID was taxpayer money. Yes, it was. Uh, yeah. and, th- and then they're hoping to eventually privatize it and, and profit off of that. We'll see. Yeah, I do remember that it was uh, that I believe under Trump, he, what was it called? Warp Speed was part of a government fund, fund program to get it up to, which again, too, um, Great. I want to see certain things like that taken care of quickly. And if it takes taxpayer money to save lives, but then those drug companies shouldn't just be let off the hook of you can charge whatever you want for that. You know, we're going to give you money. We need to put this into research and development. We need to get this to market as quickly as possible. And here's what you're going to be allowed to sell it for. I just, I don't understand how we don't, and even in Canada, we suffer from a lot of this stuff too, not just maybe, maybe in pharmaceutical, but other things where we have lost the negotiating power in certain things. And so I think for America, yeah, the negotiating power of drug companies has been all but uh, lost for a long time. And that's just one thing, one area. There's areas in Canada, like our telecommunications. It's, uh, I mean, oh my God, I can spend, like minimum, you're going to spend $120 here on a cell phone a month plan, like minimum. Seriously. So, yeah. Well, we only have three monopolized companies. And I think one of the three just gobbled up the other one. So there's like technically one, two and a half. It owns mostly. So total monopoly uh, side, that's kind of a sidebar, but yeah, I mean, we've got our own issues to deal with here, but okay. So here I've got from personalimportation.org, dramatic drug price differences, Canada versus the U S the drug, this is done in June 24th, 2020. Um, Genuvia for type 2 diabetes. In America, it's $1,355.74. In Canada, it's $371.58. That's a savings of 73%. Spiriva for COPD is at $1,306.281 in Canada. That's 78% savings. Uh, Entocort is Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis. It's 2047 in America, 238 in Canada, 88% savings. Uh, let's go here. We got asthma for flovent discus, $192 in America, 59 in Canada, 69%. Uh, something for blood clots, 1347 in America, 474 in Canada, 65% savings. Um, uh, EpiPens, 607, just like DIM, it said $607. This is allergies priced for two three milligram injectors, $607.36 as opposed to $276.63. It's a 54% savings. And there's a list of these things. So yeah. Wow. Um, it's, the first uh, three you listed was a thousand dollar difference. A thousand dollars. Yeah. Yeah. And 1700 in the Crohn's disease area. So 2047. As opposed to $238. So almost $1,800 difference, actually. In fact, that is an $1,800 difference, almost exactly. So a gigantic spread. Gigantic. Even if you were all four uh, pharmaceutical companies making profit, they don't need to make that much profit. 
you know. Are you kidding? And then the insurance companies are making money in between all that too, right? Like the American right. government, American people are getting absolutely gouged. And here, here's the other thing too is that we talked about bankruptcy. If I lose my job up here, I can still go get medical coverage. That is still covered. People talk about, you know, I heard these, these, well, I don't, I got great coverage. I got mine. I don't want to get any, you know, I don't want to get, you know, socialized medicine. It wouldn't really change. You just simply be getting the insurance, getting rid of the co-pays and the deductibles. Again, ours is run like a private, uh, all of our hospitals and doctors are privately, you know, run operations. They're funded by the government though. So, yeah, you know, you're not going to have a lot of your actual coverage and your doctors, none of that's going to specifically change. You're just cutting out all the people that are just leeching. They're, these companies are parasites. There's absolutely no need for them. And they're costing absolutely. you money. Exactly. Exactly. Here, we've got another couple messages from DIM. Yep. Yeah, telecommunications here in Canada is a joke. Um, I didn't hear about monopolized by three. I just know of the two companies that have monopolized telecommunications, which is Rogers and Bell and all of their subsidiaries like TELUS and Freedom Mobile and uh, Fido and other various companies. Sorry, yes. Rogers swallowed up Shaw, which is a big cable player, and they were also in the TELUS. So, yeah, my apologies. Rogers just swallowed up Shaw is one of the things that – and I don't actually know if that's fully gone through yet. So let me restate that before I start blabbing my mouth off, um, that I'm not entirely sure. But I know they made a bid for them, so – um, but yeah. yeah, basically the big players are swallowing up the bigger players. It's still a concern. And I don't think that I think they should. I actually, this is in one case where I would be a DIM may disagree with me. Bring up the American telecommunication companies. Let them have a swing at it. Cause usually Canada is very protective of like, especially our dairy and our, um, different industries, which again, I can understand why, but the telecommunications, for what we're paying, I have no problem with having some healthy competition come up here and, you know, rattle some chains with these guys. Um, let me know what you think, DIM. But that's a side note anyways. Yeah. Here's, he's got one more message here. Yeah, up here. And here's the kicker about pharmaceuticals. Uh, here in Canada, if you work at a McDonald's, your baseline healthcare package as an employee will almost ensure that at least 80% of your prescriptions that you need to fill are covered and absolutely free. You don't pay yeah. a dime for them. That's right. So that's, yeah, I, that's actually, thanks for bringing that up to you. That's what I was going to tell, tell everybody too. Is I'll get a prescription from the doctor and I'll see that the medication will maybe have cost me $80 and I may only have to pay like 12 of that. So most of my automatic coverage is already taken care of um, by even, like he said, certain companies and even your most basic of healthcare coverage, which you can pay for. You can pay for something like we call it Blue Cross here in Alberta. Um, so you can even get like government funded, uh, I think it's government funded uh, additional healthcare that will just cover any pharmaceutical costs to almost up to, I think it's up to 80 or over 80% in certain cases. So our medication doesn't cost us that much, even when we have to go buy it. So yeah, great point. Wow. A McDonald's employee here doesn't get health coverage at all. And then if they can afford the affordable health care coverage, which, like I said, is about 60, between 65, 6,900 deductible, um, then you're paying, you know, 50, 70 bucks for your prescription. Wow. 
And, and I want to put it into So America's GDP is 20.94 trillion USD. Canada's GDP is 1.643 trillion USD. We are one, you know, uh, as far as we're, we're a tenth of the size, um, population wise, our GDP is still fairly big for the amount of people we have. But <laughs> America can afford this. They can afford yeah, this. Absolutely. Right, it's, yeah. it's, 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 it, it makes it makes no sense, and so they, they've they've pulled the wool over people's eyes that and scared them, thinking, "Well, my taxes will go up." And as I pointed out, in certain brackets, we do pay less taxes than you already. So, sorry, that's my. No, no problem. Well, and part of this myth is that, oh, well, we can't afford it, right? I hear that a lot. Well, how are we going to pay for it? How are we going to, where's the money going to come from? Well, we just gave $44 billion in aid to Ukraine. And I, I was doing a podcast about foreign aid. In 2021, the U.S. gave out $121 billion in foreign yeah. aid, which is mostly yeah. military contracts, right? Um, yes. You know, beholden to the to the military industrial complex. So if you just nixed that, boom, done, paid for, and then some. You know, are you kidding me? Yeah, that's exactly right. And as I pointed out in other talks too, um, you're right. And this is this is what it's about. It's about priorities, right? Americans' yeah. uh, government priorities are focused on keeping the military industrial machine running. Um, and we know that right. by seven last year, I believe it was seven hundred seventy-eight billion dollar military budget, right? Seven hundred seventy-eight yeah. billion dollars, and I'll bring it up again here too. But I believe that the next most powerful spending military budget is China, with two hundred and fifty-three billion, and then it scales back significantly. Um, let me find the figures that I read. The figures I read where China pays seventy-five billion. Russia 46 billion, China 75 billion, and the U.S. like you said, but the U.S. just went up under Biden to 810 billion dollars. It's obscene. It's almost a trillion. Give it uh, 10 more years. How many? Well, it's going up about I think 25 to 28 every year. Uh, I think I've got it here. Military spending. I just want to see this. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So as of 2021, 801 billion dollars U.S. China, I guess, is now 293 billion. Then drops to India at 76 billion. United Kingdom, 68 billion. Russia, 65 billion. France, 56. Germany, 56. Saudi Arabia, 55. Japan, 54. South Korea, 50. And then Italy, 32. Australia, 31. Canada, 26. Iran, 24. And Israel, 24. Now, one, Iran, let's do this. Iran, uh, Russia, India, and China. Four. Four of those ten are not allies of the United States. You could fit all of these military budgets within and combine them with China's, and it still wouldn't be as much as the U.S. military budget. So it is, by and large, an insane, insane military budget. And there was even estimates that you could trim off sixty billion, and you could afford uh, full, full health care coverage for every American, just by trimming it that wow. much. So, 
just by trimming it that much. So only 20 billion more than we just gave the Ukraine. <laughs> pretty, much, pretty much. So yeah, yeah, it's priorities. It's, this is, uh, this it's, is where the priority is and, uh, Americans on both sides. It, it, this can't be about a left or a right issue. It's an American issue. You deserve, absolutely. you can afford, and it is your right to have health care paid for. You're already paying more than Canada and you're not getting nearly what we get. So, um, yeah. It's obscene at this point. We got another message from DIM. Oh, hey, I wanted to give a quick shout out to, we got some listeners. Ebri, DIM, Elusive, and Paradoxy. What's going on, people? Hey, folks. In USD. Um, to answer your question, I would not mind at all if American telecommunications came up into Canada to give Bell and Rogers some competition. I think it's needed. Um, yep. I think it would be downright hypocrisy for the Canadian government to deny such access because every other major company in Canada is, is American-owned. I yep. mean, we don't got a Canadian version of Walmart. We just got Walmart. You That's see, right. we don't got Canadian versions of McDonald's or Burger King. We got McDonald's and Burger King. So I don't see what the problem is with that. Um, also, uh, one thing I wanted to mention uh, with regards to the healthcare system, I think that the only problem or issue that I have with the Canadian healthcare system is that it also does not include dentistry. Yes. But I think there is a push from the NDP to get dentistry yeah. included in that as well. That is correct, actually. Um, for any of the listeners who are not uh, American in Canada, we have, and DIM can correct me, but we have, excuse me, we have the Liberals and the Conservative Party, which are the two largest and they're pretty much like your Republicans and your Democrats. And then we have one smaller fringe right-wing party called the People's Party of Canada, which is about five percent. It's a very small percentage. And then we have um, we have the NDP, the Na Na uh, what is it? Uh, New Democratic Party, I believe it is. Correct me if I'm wrong, yeah, I, am. I forget the acronym. But uh, uh, New Democrat, the New Democrats, essentially. And they are farther left of the actual liberals themselves. And then we have the Green Party, which is farther left of the NDP and the liberals. And I think, again, it's a very small French minority, but then you have the Communist Party of Canada, which is even farther left. But, uh, yeah, we have basically on stage usually around five major parties, and most um, Canadians are left-leaning. But the, the conservative base does still have uh, a fairly strong uh, presence in Canada. Currently, not really, but... Um, it depends on which province you're in, but uh, well, there was a reason I was going to talk to you about that. But anyways, I can't remember why. Wow, so it'll come to you. Wow. So I just pulled up something interesting. This is uh, from WorldAtlas.com. The United States is still the only country in the developed world without a system of universal health care. That's right. There's 10 countries in the world without universal health care. Number 10, South Africa. Number nine, Iran. Number eight, Egypt. Number seven, Nigeria. Number six, Pakistan. Number five, Afghanistan. Number four, Yemen. I just did a podcast about the crisis in Yemen. Oh, number wow. three, Syria. Um, number two, China. And number one, the good old U.S. of A. 
Yeah, it's wow. uh, yeah, is that the list you want to be on? I guess is not really. People have to ask themselves. It's not oh, the list you want to be number one on. No. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's what I was going to say about DIM. Yes, NDP is pushing for full dental and eye care, I believe, as well too. Where even glasses and eye care are covered because they aren't covered right now either. You can get, I think, uh, you can pay a little bit extra in some of your insurance up here for it, but. They bring up a good point. Since when do the eyes and the teeth, when are they not part of the health, the body, you know? Suddenly, even in Canada, right. they, there's certain segments that aren't covered. And, um, yeah, we pay through the, I mean, God, to go get a cleaning, correct me if I'm wrong, it can cost you up to $300 here, too, from a dentist, just to do a general cleaning. So it can be expensive. Wow. I uh, I learned recently that tooth problems, tooth decay can cause heart disease. So yes. it is absolutely a health part. It should be part of health care. It directly, you know, it can kill you. The lack of, yep. of dental care can kill you. Not only that, but, you know, you kind of have to be able to eat food to to be a healthy human. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? exactly. And, you know, you got to be able to see where you're going and you got to be able to eat food. So, yeah, I mean, how could part of your body not be covered? But But I'm not harping on Canada there because it's not covered. Even if you do get health coverage here, it doesn't cover dental, and it, and vision is separate. So yep. you might get vision, you might get a certain amount of of vision optometry visits, but it's not fully inclusive. And to me, that's just crazy because, like we just said, it's absolutely, you know, part of your body. Absolutely, yeah, and that's again too where you know if anybody would you know wants to point out Canada isn't perfect either. We got lots of stuff that we'd like to, you know. Uh, pull some more things to the left and uh, absolutely have even more coverage here as well, too. So, uh, yeah, and we're not we're not coming with that angle of diddle -de -de -de, Canada's awesome and perfect and fuck the USA. We're not coming with that angle at all. What my my take is my angle is we should be looking around the world at who's doing what and how's it working. And we should adopt the system that's working the best in every situation economically scholastically in the regard of health care you know this 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 is a prime example of american exceptionalism you know yep. we think we think we're the best we're you know but just don't you know we're the best as long as you don't look around and see what other countries are doing yes right? actually hey i got also too i got a message here from mamie the poet i hope she doesn't mind me reading it out but she brought up a really great point she said Depending on how technical you want to get, strictly speaking, no U.S. companies operate in Canada. I'm sure a handful try, but they are idiots. That doesn't mean the U.S. companies don't do business in Canada, but they are almost always do it by setting up Canadian version of their company as a wholly owned subsidiary of the U.S. parent company. This gives them several advantages in the handling of taxes and other illegal issues. Yeah, that actually makes sense. So, for example, I worked for IBM in Canada for many years, and for most purposes, it certainly looked and felt like I worked in the U.S. IBM. For a number of years, my business direction came from manager in Delaware. But every once in a while, the fact that I worked in for IBM Canada would pop up. Various policies were different between the two companies. So, yes, lots of U.S. companies have Canada operations, but they're mostly separate Canadian companies that are owned by a U.S. company. I uh, hope she doesn't mind me reading that out. Thank you. That was really good information and made a good point that yeah. uh, there are subsidiaries that run through the different countries. And, yeah, I'm sure that's for tax reasons or whatnot, too. So. I imagine, right? We got a few messages. Let's run these down. Paradoxy. I have a question for the panel. How much money does the U.S. spend per person 
on health care in yep. comparison to other countries? I've actually got that here, right? Uh, U.S. Uh, or sorry, healthcare expenditure per capita, and we were. I'll, I'll do if you want. I'll do a few different ones here because it's all like it's a whole bunch of them. So I'll just do Canada in 2019. The per capita, five thousand four hundred eighteen dollars is spent in the U.S. Eleven thousand seventy two dollars in the United Kingdom. $4,653. In Sweden, $5,782. In South Korea, $3,384. Now, I think they actually have a private system like America, which is interesting. So to correct me if I'm wrong, somebody. Norway, $6,647. New Zealand, $4,204. And I'm trying to use countries that, uh, you know, are, you know, traditionally considered developed. Japan, $4,823. Uh, Italy, 3,649, uh, Iceland, 4,811, Germany, 6,646, France, 5,376. I think these all have universal health care. Again, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, let's see here. Denmark, 5,568, Belgium, 5,428, Austria, 5,851, Australia, 5,187. So in almost every single case of these countries, America still, Americans spend double per capita. Right. That's what I was going to mention. Double per capita. Double. double. And most of these other countries, in fact, yeah, based on what Dave was saying, these are all universal healthcare countries, single payer to some degree. Different variations, right? But these are all, you know, first world countries. Um, I don't think you use that term much anymore, but anyways. Yeah, that, that, that term's question. always killed me, right? Yeah. <laughs> Talk about it's, it's American centrist. Yeah, Soviet term back in the day, I believe it was. Oh, okay. Yeah, I believe first world was relating to um, America and NATO. Correct me if I'm wrong, everybody, but I believe if I remember correctly, NATO-allied countries were first world. Second world uh, countries were referred to as the Soviet-run countries, and third world was basically anywhere else. And non and they eventually ran into underdeveloped countries, but. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we got three more messages. Let's run these down real quick. We got DIM, another message. No, you're right. Uh, we got the conservatives, which are very much like the Republicans. We got the liberals, which are very much like the Democrats. We yep. got the new Democratic Party. We also got the other fringe parties that you were talking about, like the Green Party. Um, you forgot the Bloc Quebecois, though. <laughs> oh, I did. Yeah, sorry. I totally uh, we got to include the Frenchies, right? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of And Another Thing with Dave. If you're digging what I'm doing, picking up what I'm throwing down, please do share with friends and on social media. Until next time, keep on digging for the truth.